Glad to have you back and welcome to the Michael Show. Continuing on hour number two. Hour number two. By the way, I did find that article on the uh, Packers defense. So if you want to read uh, what I was kind of uh, referencing regarding uh, Joe Barry and the Packers defense and the explosive plays, uh, it was on Fanside. So I grabbed the article. I posted it over on the Facebook fan page if you want to take a look at it. So you can find it there. Go to Facebook.com slash The Bill Michael Show. And you can track it down. Joining us now on the uh, the hotline, our friend Andy Herman of the Pack a Day Podcast at Andy Herman NFL over on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Andy, how you doing? Hey, Bill, doing great. Thanks so much for having me. So I, I was going through this article, and it was fan side that I was uh, referencing. I don't know if you caught it or not, but uh, they posted an article about uh, the explosive plays, both running and passing against this Packers defense, the predictability of the Joe Barry defense. Uh, it's it's far too late in the season now to really start self-scouting. But if you learn anything during the bye week, it's about maybe what you should or shouldn't be doing as you have four games remaining, all of which you have to win. And there is a scenario that can still find you into the postseason. So give me your thoughts as this team comes back. Not necessarily, we'll talk about the offense in a minute, but talk about the defense and what needs to happen for this team to have success. Oh, uh, like you said, I don't know that we can solve that in a, a bye week, much less a, a radio segment, Bill. There's a lot that's gone wrong. I, I'm old enough to remember the offseason where uh, we were hoping and expecting at least a top 10 defense, if maybe not better than that. And that certainly hasn't come to fruition. I think with with any defense, it's going to start with your your up front, your defensive linemen, your edge players. And something that the Packers have struggled with, whether it's been under Mike Pettin, the later years of Dom Capers, and now certainly with Joe Barry, I like to call it eating your vegetables on early downs. Everyone's got some really creative and fun third down pressure packages, and everyone likes to get all their defensive backs on the field and add a bunch of speed on the field. That's all well and good. But if you can't get teams into third and long situations, uh, that stuff doesn't work very well. And as you mentioned, Green Bay has been giving up explosive plays on early downs, which, again, does not allow you to get into some of those third and long situations. And even against, you know, going back against a, a game like the, the Philadelphia Eagles, Tennessee Titans, that's a team where they're consistently picking up three, four, five, six yards on first down, making it second and short, third and short. And Green Bay doesn't get to put in some of their fun pressure package plays. So they have to start by eating their vegetables on early down, stopping the run. Kenny Clark, he had a better game this this past game against the Bears, but his five weeks prior to that might have been the worst five-week stretch of his you know career. And yes, some double teams are a part of that, uh, especially with Rashawn Gary being out, and he's seen a lot of the extra attention because of that. Uh, but Kenny Clark needs to play better. The rest of the defensive line, they spent a first-round pick on Devontae Wyatt. Haven't got any return on investment on that really so far. Uh, Quay Walker, another first-round pick, struggles to get off of blocks in the run game. And without Rashawn Gary, you're playing a undersized J.J. Nigbari at one of your edge positions. And uh, what ends up happening is you just don't have the players up front. You have to commit an extra guy in the box, usually a Rudy Ford or an Adrian Amos. And that's allowing some of those explosive plays down the field as well. So it starts up front. Like I said, you got to eat your vegetables first, stop the run, get teams into second and long, third and long situations. And then even then when they get to that situation, um, we're seeing a lot of situations where Joe Barry's defense is playing, you know, third and seven, and they're playing 10 yards off the ball and giving up the seven yard completions. And they just don't have the, the one guy like a Rashawn Gary that can get consistent pressure on the quarterback uh, that, you know, results in turnovers or, you know, just, forcing the other team to punt the ball. So there is a lot going on. And that we haven't even discussed all the tackling issues, Bill, the coverage issues, the coverage breakdowns in the secondary. It's been a mess. And like you said, it, it's, it can't be one week thing where they just get everything fixed, unfortunately. That was going to be my next point is we can talk about, you know, schematically getting things done. 
it's the will to tackle. I mean, sometimes it's just a matter of somebody has to do it or want to do it. And it seems like tackling, the fundamental of tackling, has escaped them. But what I alluded to, and see if you agree, I looked at this and I said, well, wait a minute. Uh, I, while, uh, you know, yeah, I get it on one hand, uh, you know, you got to be in the right place at the right time. But if you feel like you don't believe in the scheme, like if your season is going down the tubes, if your offense isn't supporting you, if things are just going against you, it's human nature. You get a little down, which gives you that little that little quarter second, half second extra oomph where you take off a little bit or your enthusiasm isn't there to propel you. That energy isn't there to propel you. So instead of putting a shoulder into a guy, you're grabbing him with an arm. And he's breaking an arm tackle. So to me, the fact that it looked like this team was out of it, there wasn't much to play for, they were failing miserably. And Because I can't believe Preston Smith, Devondre Campbell, the two new guys in Wyatt and Quay Walker. Obviously, Rashawn Gary was having a good season until he went down. But then you talked about Kenny Clark, Darnell Savage. You know, you look at all these guys. I can't believe everybody dropped off the map and fell off the table at the exact same time. That's why I got to believe it's just they don't either don't believe in the scheme, not in the right place at the right time, or they're just playing a half step slow. Yeah, so let, let's talk about the scheme for a second because I think there's a, a correlation here. So in, in general, right, it's not like Joe Barry's running stuff that isn't different than other teams around the league are running. Um, it's been very in vogue to play a little bit more of a coverage-style defense, two safeties deep, and, you know, make team, you know, not give up explosive plays, those sort of things. Like, the, the, every team around the league is running the same, you know, you know, man cover, you know, cover one, cover two, cover three, cover four, and different variations of it. It's not like anyone's just sort of reinventing defense out there in the NFL right now. But you have to play a scheme that is going to fit the personnel that you have. And I think if you go back to the Minnesota game and, and really early in the season, if you remember some of the criticisms and critiques of Joe Barry's defense early in the season, not that it's changed a ton, but um, this was a defense that was extremely vanilla. That was basically just trying to win with its, you know, four guys up front, play coverage on the back. There was nothing unpredictable about it. There was no blitzes. In fact, I think they went a couple weeks without actually blitzing uh, a single player on a play. They would have some five-man fronts where all five guys would come, but nothing that they would blitz from depth or anything like that. And it was a very passive brand of football. And a couple things. A, you have to remember that defensive players just naturally, in their nature, are attacking-oriented players. They want to be the ones that are setting the tone, not the other way around. They don't want to give up eight-yard completion, seven-yard completion, and just go tackle the guy. They want to go make plays. And I think if you look at this defense early in the season, this was as vanilla and passive of a defense as you could possibly imagine. Joe Barry was hoping that his front four would get home on the, the quarterback and being able to stop the run up front, and then they would be able to just cover with guys like Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Razul Douglas, their safeties, et cetera, on the back end. And to some extent, you, you understand the idea and the philosophy behind it, but then you have to look at your personnel. This is not a strong tackling group, specifically in the secondary. Darnell Savage, his weakness is tackling. Jair Alexander uh, hasn't been as physical and aggressive since hurting his shoulder last season. Eric Stokes, definitely not a tackling player. You're you know, bringing in a Quay Walker in the first round. Speed linebacker can get sideline to sideline, but he's not the most physical player at the point of attack. So you've got some issues, and even like an Adrian Amos, um, not the most fleet of foot, not taking the best angles anymore. So he, he's not exactly the, the one. You don't, you don't have a bunch of cam chancellors back there where like taking guys and, you know, pummeling them on the second level. That's just not how this defense is built. 
So if you're going to put a defense out there that is consistently playing, you know, eight, 10 yards off the ball and has to rally to the football and go make immediate tackles, that's not putting these guys in their strength. That's not what they do well. Um, so you're putting them kind of behind the eight ball. And then again, defensively, you as a player, you want to attack, you want to set the tone, you want to set the pace. And this is not a defense that really allowed those guys to do that. So I do think at some point they're just like, you know, this isn't, this isn't the way that we want to play defense, whether they checked out. I've never seen a game where they just quit on the game. So kudos to them for that, I guess. But um, you can tell that I don't think there's a hundred percent buy in either. So offensively speaking, by the way, we're talking with Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day podcast. You can find him at Andy Herman NFL. So we've dissected the defense coming back. Offensively speaking, uh, there's an optimism there. You get Romeo Dobbs back. Uh, Rogers says he feels good. The thumb feels good. He said, you know, the ribs are feeling really good. He seemed like they're, at least on the uh, the McAfee, uh, you know, podcast, it sounded like he was in a good spirit, had a little time to work on a tan. Seems like he's coming back with a bounce. The only deterrent is you don't have David Bakhtiari for whatever period of time, but you're hoping that Zach Tom can fill the bill. So at least there's this optimism that maybe with the discovery of Christian Watson, also another guy he started to trust in Romeo Dobbs coming back, Maybe this offense can pick it up. And if this offense can give you early scores rather than trying to come from behind, maybe then you get Joe Barry to actually say, okay, we're up by a score or two. We don't have to play on our heels and we can become the aggressor. That'd be nice. I would love to see that. And I do think there is optimism surrounding the offense. I actually think, I know Christian Watson deservedly is going to get a lot of the credit and we'll touch on that as well. But I think it does start with the offensive line. Um, I know Bakhtiari coming back was a huge part of that. And he, you know his absence will certainly be felt. Uh, but when they made the move, you know, obviously getting Bakhtiari back at left tackle, but put Jenkins back at left guard, move John Runyon to right guard, and then put Yasha at right tackle. Um, that was really uh, a huge difference in their season. Elton Jenkins looked completely out of sorts. Part of it's coming back from a torn ACL, but he just did not look natural at all at right tackle, getting him back at left guard and allowing him to play his natural position. He has looked light years better these past five weeks than what he did when he was playing at right tackle, um, coming back from the torn ACL. John Runyon Jr. has basically looked the same going from left guard to right guard. In fact, I almost feel like he's played a little bit better. I think he's almost had to just think a little bit more. And sometimes I feel like Runyon can kind of get on cruise control. Um, he's a good player, but when he does, he can allow some uh, or have some mistakes, I guess I'll say. So I think it's almost allowed him to maybe think a little bit more and almost play a little bit better. And the big one is Yash Nyman, who I think had, had done solid work at left tackle, but he always looked just like kind of a swing tackle to me where, you know, he can fill in in a pinch and you don't have to change your offense, but you're not winning because of him per se at right tackle. It, it, despite the Packers seemingly having serious trepidation over whether or not they wanted to move him to right tackle and wondering if he could play the position. I actually think he looks much better and much more natural at right tackle than he did at left tackle. And I actually think he's one of the, the key reasons why this offensive line has been playing so well. So uh, I know Zach Tom will be in there for, for David Bakhtiari, but Tom played well last week against the bears, albeit against one of the worst front fours in football. But um, I do think that it starts with the offensive line and then, all, all beginning of the season, the big issue for this offense is they couldn't beat press man, you know, cover one uh, defense. And, you know, they didn't have a deep threat to really take the, the top off of the defense and really pose any threat. And now Christian Watson has changed that in a very major way. He is the exact skill set that this team needed on this season. Somebody that not only can threaten the defense deep, but that has a gravity towards him that is taking not only his corner, but a safety with him 20 yards down the field, which is opening things up underneath for some of their possession receivers. And then, of course, you can just get it to him on an end around and he can take it 60 yards at any given moment as well. So um, the offense, yeah, a lot of optimism right now surrounding what they've been doing. Does this offense have enough weapons, in your opinion, to be successful? 
I I think they really need a, a, a difference maker at tight end. I don't think Robert Tunyon's uh, come back and had the same explosiveness coming off his torn ACL. But if you look at the wide receiver group, I think, you know, the, the vision, if, if everyone was healthy all season long, I, I think is kind of paying off a little bit. I think you've got your explosive playmaker in Christian Watson. We're about to kindly get, you know, finally get our first glimpse of Watson and Dobbs really playing together. And I think if Dobbs can kind of be more of that number two guy, rather than having to be the guy when he was in there earlier this season and allow Christian Watson to be the guy that's taking a little bit more of the coverage his way, I think that's going to open up Romeo Dobbs for even more explosive plays. And you've got Alan Lazard as your possession guy over the middle guy that Aaron Rodgers trusts and can move the chains. And then you've got kind of your old established veteran in Randall Cobb who can play that slot position and still knows how to undercut, you know, un- uncover, excuse me, in key situations. I like that group as a foursome. Um, I obviously Jones and Dylan. Dylan's playing his best ball over the last couple of weeks and certainly gets harder to tackle in December, January, cold weather, etc. I think they, and like I said, the offensive line's playing better. So I think they need a little bit more from that tight end position. But outside of that, I, I kind of like the weapons that they have right now. Um, before I let you go, special teams wise, I was sitting there uh, last night and a few people bring up Mason Crosby. Now, uh, for the most part, the field goals have been good. He's only missed three. One of them was blocked on a, on a bad snap exchange. Uh, beyond 50, he hasn't had success. We all know that. But kickoffs, do you get that? Because I, I was bringing this up that some of them just look short. Some you just they just do, and there's others where they're angular. They're you know the old coffin corner type of kick where they're using the the sideline as a twelfth man. Can you distinguish between what is and isn't supposed to be going deep into the end zone, what is and isn't supposed to be going to a sideline, and where maybe there has just been leg strength failure? Yeah. So as you mentioned, a lot of the ones that are in the corner of the end zone where Crosby's trying to put a little bit more height on the ball, you know, those are ones where they're trying to get it so that they can pin them deeper, you know, hopefully inside the 20, you know, they do have got, this is the first time they've had, you know, really good coverage guys like a Dallin Levitt and a Rudy Ford and a Keyshawn Nixon and those type of players that, you know, can help you do some of those things. So there are situations where they're trying to get, you know, play, you know, teams pinned a little bit deeper inside the red zone. But as you mentioned, there's times too, where uh, Crosby's just been a little bit short on his kickoff. So, uh, you can tell just the, the leg that he had earlier in his career is not there. The the 50 plus yard field goal is not really a part of his repertoire right now. Um, you know, a little bit slower from you know actual uh, takeoff to contact on the ball. Just all of it's just been a, a little bit of a decline for Crosby. Still a solid kicker, but uh, probably looking at the the point this coming off season where they're going to have to start looking in another direction just for a younger kicker who is uh, probably has a little bit more juice left in their leg. Good stuff as always, Andy. I appreciate it, and uh, we will talk again as the season winds down, okay? Can't wait. Thanks so much, Bill. Thanks, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. That's our uh, that's our good buddy Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, at Andy Herman NFL, at Andy Herman NFL. Always good to get him on the program with us and, uh, and chat a little bit. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends, Pella Winners and Doors of Wisconsin. Right now, no money down, no interest, no payments. Going into 2024. So this upcoming year, you keep the jingle in your pocket. You'd be good to go. That's our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. I keep telling you about the door that I had put in the great room. The windows were already there, but I needed one more patio door. And I had one from Pella, and then the one alongside it was not from Pella. And I noticed last year that as the you know it got cold, that room just couldn't keep up. It couldn't keep up with the heat. So, and, you know, when I would set it at 70, it would always sit at about 64 to 65 degrees. It just flat out couldn't keep up. And so this year, uh, just before the weather hit, Pella came in in September and redid the door. They they busted out the old one, 
put in a brand new one. First of all, it looks beautiful, and I know it's safe. It's got that toe kick on it that puts that pin in the door, so you can't open it. Even if you have a key to open it, you can't open the door. You don't have to stick a stick in there or anything like that. It's safe. And, you know, being so far down and away from where I'm at upstairs at night, you love that. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, there's something that lets you lay your head on your pillow at night about that. But I go down almost every day, especially on a day like today where it's, it's cold, it's snowy. And I go down there and I look and it's always at 70 degrees. It's just, it makes a difference. And you do your whole house like that, and suddenly your house is more economical, it's beautiful, it's more valuable. What reason is there not to get the doors and windows? At least to make a phone call. Call Pella, Pella, P-E-L-L-A, 855-Pella-W-I, Pella, P-E-L-L-A, 855-Pella-W-I, or go to PellaWI.com. And right now, nobody down, no interest, no payments. How about that? Um, there's no reason not to call. P-E-L-L-A, PellaWI.com. 855-PELLA-WI or go to PELLAWI.com. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Across, you're doing a little shopping, some snow's flying, you're feeling like you're in the Christmas spirit, and then you're like, what are we going to do tonight? Eh, don't cook. Head over to Buzzard Billy's. Good food, great atmosphere. You know, I love going to the bar. I sit at the bar whenever I go there. Sit at the bar, maybe at the end of the bar, and uh, grab one of the uh, one of the tap beers, get myself a meal. Then later on, after you get done, you want a little dessert. Uh, you don't eat the dessert. You go upstairs and drink the dessert. It's one of those good martinis at the Starlight Lounge. Great place, Buzzard Billy's. And don't forget, they support the veterans that uh, we back so much right here in the state of Wisconsin, which, by the way, we have a nice announcement coming up in January. I want to let people know that. Keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, uh, we're going to got some cool things going on. But uh, Buzzard Billy's, fantastic place, great people right out there in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So if you're heading out, you're heading downtown, you're going to do a little shopping, heading over to the Briar Patch, maybe grab some cigars for the cigar lover in your life. Heading over to Dale's Clothing or heading over to the jewelry store, heading over to the chocolate factory over there, whatever it happens to be, the little confectionery place. I love those places. Love walking around down there. But uh, stop over to our friends and see our friends at Buzzer Billy's. Good stuff. Good people right there uh, in La Crosse. Uh, 877-867-1670. This one is from Marcus. He says, don't we feel as a Packers nation that Aaron Rodgers has to be the leader of this team? Let me ask you this, Unit. Does it feel like Aaron Rodgers has been a leader or a detriment to this team? That's a great question. I love it when people bring thoughtfulness, question-wise, to the program. And it's a great question because, if you look at it this way, Rodgers has... I had this discussion the other day, and you talk to players, you talk to agents, you talk to, you know, people behind the scenes, and it's text usually, it's, you know, but you ask, you know, how, how is it? How, what, you know, what's your guy saying? And there are some guys, some guys that have said, you know, look, they know Rodgers is a Hall of Famer. They know he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. No doubt. It's not like there's a detriment there. But there's some guys that are kind of like, you know, 
Lately, it's been do as I say, not as I do. And when you're getting paid $50 million and they're looking at you going, dude, you are making all the cash. You've got the ear of the GM. The coach is kissing your ass. And you don't want to do, you don't want to be here in the trenches with us. We know you're good. And we respect your 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 mad skills. But there are some guys that are looking at Jordan Love going, once he plays, we got his back. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll die in that mountain for him. Because he's in here with us. And I didn't really see that coming. You know, um, so to answer your question, if Rodgers is doing anything and everything to lift this team, and I said this a while ago, I said to be a leader is not to stand on the pedestal and preach. It is to get into the mud with those you're trying to lead and lift them up. That's it. great management. Doesn't matter if you're a player on a field or a manager in an office or a company. Great managers do that. You have to understand what it is the people, I don't want to say that are beneath you or below you, but people that you're managing are doing and what they're going through. So you understand when they complain, they're not just complaining. They're trying to be better at what it is they do. You have to understand it. So I, boy, if Rodgers is on and he's leading and he's high-fiving and he's praising and he's not, you know, he's not going Tom Brady and just screaming at anybody to, to, to scream, and, and, you know, not pointing out the head coach and throwing, you know, yeah, can it happen? Can, can he be the leader? Absolutely. Yeah. But that that's a that that's a question that makes you think. You know, that's a question that makes you think. And I like that. I really do. I like that. Because I had to really think about that because your first answer is, oh, hell yeah. But it's like, no, <laughs> excuse me, wait a minute. No, some of the rumblings you hear is, eh, you know, he's he's more talk than he is action right now type of stuff, you know. And I'm not saying that, that it's it, that's the overwhelming concern. I'm just saying that there's a little bit of that notice of, you know, why isn't dude getting out here with us? Why is he doing this with us? Why does he say, you know, hey, I'll come in and do it when it's when it's better? Why not get better with us, you know? So I I, I get it. I understand it. Let's go to the phone calls. Let's go to Scotty listening to us in lacrosse. Scotty, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hi, Bill. Uh, quick trip cigar smoker with you a couple times. Yes, you the man. What's up? Yeah, I want to talk about the unfairness of the bye week. I don't know what week they start, but now the Packers have played, uh, what, 13 games, and they finally get a week off. I don't mm-hmm. know when it starts for the other teams. But my suggestion is why doesn't the NFL play the first nine weeks Everybody takes a week off. College football can schedule Friday, Saturday, Sunday conference championship games. And then the NFL comes back the following week to finish up their eight games. I, uh, I, I Now, here's one thing. The Packers chose not to take a bye week after London. That was their choice. And I think they regret it now, to be honest with you. So the Packers had a choice when to take it, and they turned it down. They waited until later in the season. So they could have taken it. They didn't. 
that's on them. I, you know, I don't know what methodology the NFL uses specifically for when and who is going to take a buy and when and why, or what they even prefer. But the Packers, I do know, had a choice uh, to to be able to do that, and they chose not to. Now, as far as the entire NFL taking a week off, that's been kicked around by the Players Association. But there's no way in hell that the Packers or I, I shouldn't say the Packers, the NFL is ever going to lose a week where there aren't any games and there isn't any revenue. I, I know they've talked about doing a whole week of just shutting it down, but that that's never going to happen. Never going to happen. How are they going to lose their revenue if they still play 17 games? Because they'll feel that a week without football will be a week that they're not putting their, their sponsors and such on the air. They just they don't want to do that. They, they don't want to lose that momentum in any way. Not that they will. We all know that because we'll all come back and we'll all be salivating for football news. But they correct, just do not correct. want to take – they do not want to take anything off of this continual week, you know, schedule. Once they get into games where, uh, where they're starting preseason games, they don't want to take anything off. They give the one week for the beginning of college football, and after that it's all NFL all the time, all the way through the second week of uh, February. Well, I, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, but I think it'd be a great yeah. idea for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend of college football conference championships, which is going to lead now to, of course, 12 teams in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I just uh, I know the NFL just flat out doesn't want to give it up. That's that's all, all right, they're guys. saying. Yep, appreciate it, man. Whether it's right or wrong, I I we can argue that. You know, that's no problem. It just depends on your opinion. But I know what the NFL doesn't want to do. They don't want to give up a week. They don't want to say, here you go, we're going to give it up. I mean, it's, it's, they don't play on Fridays now out of the, quote, respect for Friday Night Lights. They've always said that. We want to leave that to the locals. We want to leave that to people going out and seeing their kids and blah, blah, blah. That was always going back years and years. Going back to even Paul Tagliabue. Uh, when he was the commissioner, he just said, we're not going to take away from the high schools, from the families and all that kind of stuff. They never wanted to do that. There was a talk about doing it when they were expanding the uh, the, the schedule then. Uh, but they just they didn't ever want to do it. So uh, I get it. I don't know if I agree with all of that, but it is what it is. Oh, they can go schedule um, over college football in the regular season, though. They can give them weekends because those games won't matter once they get to the yeah. 12 team playoff. Right, right. <laughs> um, now I know Pac fan says, well, they don't do that because they don't worry about games on Friday nights with preseason. That's August. That goes through the end of August. Some schools don't even play until that first weekend in August. You lose one Friday night. That's it. But the rest of it, they don't do it. That's why they don't schedule it. Regular season games. Uh, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, please feel free to do so. Uh, 877-867-1670. When we come back, going to make some picks. Going to look at some spreads, and I'm going to give you a, a couple of locks. Ben's going to give you a couple of his locks, and then uh, we'll all reconvene next week after uh, you and I have either made money and or lost money. That's kind of the way it works. Good stuff. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Forgotten Fire Winery. They're closing early today. Closing early today at 3 o'clock. So they're going to shut it down. Sorry for the late notice. You got some tastings and private stuff going on. But they'll be back at it again this weekend for sure. But, uh, hey, that doesn't mean you can't go to your local grocery store, liquor store, wine store, whatever it happens to be. Look for it by name. Go to ForgottenFireWinery.com. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. And uh, check out all that they have to offer. By the way, the, uh, the Pinot Grigio Hot Mess was a huge hit 
at the party this past weekend. Just an FYI. The uh, the girls went through, uh, I think, five or six bottles of that stuff. So keep that in mind. Uh, the Merlot was good, too. Uh, we had some local wines. We had uh, some national wines. But uh, believe me, the Forgotten Fire Winery stuff, when people walk through the door and they say, hey, this is what you talk about all the time. And I said, here you go, try it. They're like, this is good. I said, that's what I've been telling you. So there you have it. People saying, yeah, oh, yeah. There you go. That's ForgottenFireWinery.com. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.